Hello, my friends, and guess what time it is? Yes, it's that time again. Another moment, a Black History moment with Bo. And if you should happen to be a new listener, we say welcome. Welcome to our little show. We're not here for a long time, but we're here to encourage you and try to awaken you. Now, before we slip into the darkness this day, I got a few things that I want to say. Remember, I have always told you that this show is about the truth and nothing else. Because when the smoke clears and everything else is gone, the only things that will remain standing will be the sun, the moon, and the truth. You see, this idiot down in Florida, DeSantis, think that we are stupid. He thinks the things that happened during slavery is not the United States history. So he wants to evade the truth. You know, a dog will look down when they have done something wrong, but a snake will look you right in the eye. And that's what he's doing. You see, nothing filters truth from falsehood like history. For him to say that we as a people learned something from slavery is nuts. He had the nerve to say that we learned how to farm. Well, what in the hell did he thought we did back in Africa before we were stolen? I truly believe that black people's pain is whiteness entertainment. And I guess the burnings and the lynchings and the rapes and the selling off of our families didn't mean nothing to them. And those are the kind of things that their children in school should not learn about because it might make them feel bad. But then again, they would never say something like this about the Holocaust. Would he say the Jews learned something about furnaces for what he did to them? He wants to teach his children and ours lies. And it's mandatory in Germany that their students learn about the Holocaust. And it doesn't make them feel bad or inferior. So why should it affect white people here? That's our history. You know, Florida doesn't have a great record about their treatment toward us anyway. It's just another southern state. Because I'm young enough to remember when they put acid in the swimming pools to keep us out. So this is just par for them. You see, racism is so universal in this country, so widespread and deep-seated that it is invisible because it's so normal. You see, my friends, here's the thing. The further a society drifts away from the truth, the more it will hate those that speak it. So I know I am hated and this show is hated, but that's all right. I'll only apologize for how I said it, not for what I said, cause I mean that shit. And I know the truth doesn't give a damn what your opinion is. Go on DeSantis, because we know that you're only a general in this war. But we will fight you to the very end.
Today, my friends, we're going to slip into darkness, and I'm going to tell you about a man by the name of John Mitchell Jr., and he fought to uncover the condemned racial injustice against black Virginians at all levels of Southern society. As the editor of the Richmond Planet, John Mitchell Jr. fought against systemic injustice leveled upon black Americans in Virginia and sought to create economic opportunities to help lift them out of poverty. His steadfast resistance and take no prisoners attitude against Jim Crow laws and mob lynchings in the form of the written word, as well as direct action on the street made the Richmond Planet the most influential black newspaper of the post-Reconstruction era. You see, the man was born a slave. On July the 11th, 1863, just one week after the Battle of Gettysburg ended, and he lived with his parents and younger brother on the estate of James Lyons, a wealthy Southern lawyer who often hosted Jefferson Davis and other Confederate generals at his mansion, and he became a carriage boy for Lyons as the aristocrat refused to allow a 10-year-old boy to attend school. Mitchell's mother wasn't having it, and she taught him how to read and write. And when he turned 13 years old, she sent him off to school. And while at school, he discovered that he had a talent for drawing maps, and he won many awards for his work in his late teens. His maps were so impressive that Mitchell soon became an apprentice at the Bureau of Engraving and Printing in Washington, D.C., and local leaders started to take notice of his work. So much so that when Mitchell was 18, Frederick Douglass wrote about his work in a letter to a friend, and he said, I am glad to have the evidence of the talent and skill afforded in the map of Virginia by your young friend John Mitchell, Jr., with the industry, patience, and perseverance which he has shown in his work, I have no fear that young Mitchell will make his way into the world and be a credit to our race. And he graduated Valor Victorian and returned to Richmond Normal High School as a teacher. And he taught for nearly three years until the newly elected Richmond School Board fired all black teachers and principals in a situation not unlike the current conservative outrage over critical race theory erupting at local school boards today. Being one of the few black newspapers in Virginia, the Richmond Planet published a strongly worded editorial condemning the firings of black educators. Founded by 13 former slaves in 1882, the Richmond Planet was a trusted weekly newspaper for black Americans that covered city, state, and national news with a focus on issues important to the black community. So after Mitchell lost his job teaching, he remained in Richmond and began writing articles for nearby newspapers before turning to the planet. At the age of 21, Mitchell became editor of the Richmond Planet in December 1884, just two years after the paper's founding. He would remain the paper's editor for the next 45 years. 
And now that he became the paper's boss, Mitchell spent much of his time covering racial injustice and anti-black violence in Virginia. He rallied against Jim Crow laws, segregation, lynchings of both black and white Americans, and the resurgence of white supremacy after the Reconstruction era. As a gifted writer and cartoonist, he crafted editorials and political cartoons that lamb-blasted the Ku Klux Klan and terror of racial violence that white newspapers largely ignored. Richard Walker, a black man, was lynched by a white mob. Mitchell responded with a scorching editorial in the Richmond Planet. He received multiple death threats, including a rope and a letter sent to his office, which informed him that he would be next to hang. Undeterred, John Mitchell printed the death threat in the newspaper. And he wasn't finished yet. Wearing a pair of revolvers, he walked to the scene of the lynching and went to jail where Walker was being held before the mob took him. He later reported that none of the locals came to confront him, including the writer of the death threat. Mitchell's confrontational style in the face of racial injustice soon gave him a nickname that stuck with him for the rest of his life, Fighting Negro Editor. One of the most daring and vigorous Negro editors is John Mitchell Jr., editor of the Richmond Planet. The fact that he is a Negro and lives in Richmond does not prevent him from being courageous almost to a fault. In May of 1889, a 15-year-old black youth by the name of Simon Walker was arrested and accused of raping a 12-year-old white girl. Though the jury had no evidence, they found him guilty and asked for the death penalty which the judge granted. The case was hardly covered in the white press, but Mitchell spotted a notice about the case in one of the papers and decided to act. And he later wrote that the execution of a teenager by the state would be a disgrace. It was not a case of race or color. It was one of humanity. So he went straight to Virginia Governor Lee to request a stay of execution. Governor Lee, nephew of Robert E. Lee, was vacationing in Dagger Springs, so Mitchell traveled hundreds of miles to speak with him. He successfully convinced the governor to delay the execution for 30 days. And as the execution date got closer and closer, Mitchell again met with Governor Lee at his Richmond mansion, but found that Lee was no longer interested in what he had to say. Instead, John Mitchell Jr. worked with Walker's court-appointed lawyer, and they secured another stay of execution the night before the teenager was to be hanged. Now, the problem was Mitchell needed to share the news with the local sheriff before dawn or it would be too late. He borrowed a horse and carriage from some friends and raced to Chesterfield Courthouse, delivering the stay of execution in the early morning hours of Walker's execution day. Mitchell then spoke with Walker in his jail cell and described in the planet the poor conditions of the jail and the sadness of the 15-year-old sentenced to die.
He drew editorial cartoons of the gallows he saw outside of the jail, as well as the coffin waiting for Walker, which helped to garner support among black Americans to reduce Walker's sentence. Eventually, Mitchell successfully persuaded authorities to reduce the 15-year-old boy's sentence, and he was not executed by the state. In 1892, Mitchell was elected to represent Jackson Ward on Richmond's Board of Aldermen, or City Council. He was re-elected two years later. However, he lost his seat in 1896 during what he called the Jackson Ward robbery. No black candidates won election anywhere in the city as hundreds of ballots cast by black voters was tossed out by election officials. In the Richmond Planet, Mitchell called the election nothing more nor less than a farce. Sounds more like 2023 than 1892 to me. In 1902, John Mitchell Jr. spoke at the Virginia Baptist State Convention, saying in part, I am for Negro enterprises, and for that reason, some have attempted to consign me to the hot region for feast on fire and brimstone. There is a principle involved in this, and I am for that principle, he said. We have a mission, and that mission will be to help build up these Negro enterprises to foster the work of the National Baptist Publishing Board, which is furnishing literature for our boys and girls in the Sunday schools. Mitchell soon forgot about politics and remained committed to the Richmond planet. As lynchings of black Americans reached its peak in 1890s, Mitchell faithfully printed lists of names and locations of lynching victims throughout the decade. By 1896, circulation of the Richmond Planet reached 6,400, though many more read the paper each week. Copies were shared with family members, friends, and co-workers. The influence of the Richmond Planet reached beyond the city, attracting readers throughout the state and beyond. Each week, Mitchell sent a copy of the newspaper to the governor's mansion, as well as to many of Richmond's white editors of daily newspapers. After a black man named Solomon Marable was hanged at the gallows in 1896, his body was not returned to his wife for burial. Instead, it was shipped to the Medical College of Virginia for dissection by students against his family's wishes. John Mitchell and others from the newspaper, as well as black religious leaders from the area, went to the location where Marable's body was kept. In the middle of the night, they descended upon the building and demanded to see his remains. They were shocked as hell to find Marable's body stuffed haphazardly into a barrel. It was a ghastly sight, wrote Mitchell in the Richmond Planet the like of which we hope never to see again. And due to the efforts of Mitchell and local black leaders, Marable's body was washed, placed back into his coffin, and sent back to his wife and children in North Carolina. Humanity had triumphed. Science had given away to the face 
of plainer demands of reason and the dictates of common sense. The pledge made at the gallows was fulfilled at the grave, Mitchell wrote. In 1921, John Mitchell Jr. announced his candidacy for governor of Virginia on the Republican ticket. However, the state's Republican Party, which was largely progressive at this time, had been losing elections for years. Resentful whites would not vote for this party of Lincoln, and conservative Democrats had successfully prevented huge swaths of black Americans from voting in previous elections at the turn of the century. White supremacist rhetoric condemned Republicans for being the party of the Negro, and it worked. In response, Republicans in Virginia decided to run on a lily-white ticket, that is, an all-white group of candidates. In 1921, Republicans barred black delegates from the state conventions and removed any inclusion of racial injustice from the official party platform. After witnessing black disenfranchisement at the ballot box at the end of the 1890s, John Mitchell Jr. turned to economic enterprise as a way to lift African Americans out of poverty. In 1902, he founded the Mechanics Savings Bank to be a place for black Virginians to safely store and save their money. Eight years later, he erected the bank's new home on the corner of Clay Street and 3rd, a four-story building with marble in the lobby and top-of-the-line security features. And consequently, hundreds of black delegates met in Richmond and nominated their own candidate for office. They chose Mitchell as their candidate for governor of Virginia. Ultimately, the Republican Party lost in a landslide, and Democrats swept the state. Over the next couple decades, black voters would largely abandon the Republican platform and join the Democrat as the party's support for civil rights and racial justice moved to the forefront. Now, after Mitchell lost the election, he continued to run the Richmond Planet and the Mechanic Savings Bank. One year after Mitchell's bid for governor, the state of Virginia accused him of misusing tens of thousands of dollars in bank funds. His bank shut down the same year. In the newspaper, Mitchell wrote a passionate plea of innocence and asked for support from the community as he fought the charges. We solemnly swear, no, as we swore upon the witness stand, that not one dollar of our 45 years accumulation has been the result of dishonorable actions or sharp practices, Mitchell wrote in May of 1923. In 1923, John Mitchell Jr. was found guilty of bank fraud and sentenced to three years in prison. However, he fought for his appeal, taking his case all the way to the state Supreme Court of Appeals. The court overturned his conviction as he was cleared of all charges, but despite his exoneration, the damage was already done. The bank went into receivership and was rechartered by the state of Virginia in 1924. His assets lost and reputation diminished, Mitchell was left broke, though he was cleared of any wrongdoing. 
He later wrote that he believed the state targeted him in retribution because he ran for governor. Mitchell continued to lead the Richmond Planet until his death, where he collapsed at his desk and died in December 1929. He was 66 years old. So there you have it, my friends. You've heard the story and you've heard the truth. And as you listen and learn, you find that there's not much difference in the 1890s in 2023. The same thing is going on. They are trying to hold us back. But it won't work, my friends. Because there's too many of us that are awakened now. No longer can you just do with us what you desire to do. Because we are going to call you out on it. People like the governor of Florida, the governor of Texas, the governor of Georgia. They are dinosaurs and they are running afraid and trying every trick in the book to get the upper hand. They seem not to realize that none of that will work because whatever they throw at us, we're throwing right back to them. So my friends, that music tells me that it is once more at that time. And so I'm going to get out of here. But before I go, I'm going to leave you with this message. Our biggest problem is that we're still trying to play by the rules. And they have no rules. Have a good day, my friends. Until next time, it's been my honor. (laughs) 